Screw It, We're Just Gonna Talk About Comics is brought to you by Shortbox. That's right. Somebody wanted to partner with us. Shortbox is an app and a website for safely buying and selling graded comic books. You can get it on iOS, Android, even a regular old computer. And they're trusted by the most respected dealers and collectors in the industries. And Shortbox trusts us. Therefore... We have worth. Amazing. Uh, right now, they're doing a giveaway where you can win a free copy of The Dark Knight Returns number one, the 2018 printing signed by Frank Miller and Klaus Jansen. <laughs> Go to shortbox.com slash screw it to enter your email. No purchase necessary to be in the running. And that contest is going until March 10th, 2022. Download Shortboxed today. I will. Screw it. Screw it. We're just going to talk about Welcome to Screw It. We're just going to talk about comics. That's comic books, everybody. This is the only podcast hosted by two brothers talking about a thing they love, and that thing is comic books. I'm one of your hosts slash brother slash kind of comedian, Kevin Hines. And I'm the other brother slash kind of comedian slash comic book fan, Will Hines. Yeah, um, and we are... In the shadow, right at where fin we finished up our Dark Knight Return season, Will. Mm -hmm. And we are sort of doing a part B. I don't know. Is this, I don't know what number of season we're on, but uh, I don't know either. Like we're, we're continuing that season. So, if we, I don't know, season seven, this is 7B. It's 11, I think. 11. <laughs> That's close. Yeah. It rhymed. Um, we're going to cover Daredevil Born Again. We're going to stay on the Frank Miller train a little longer. Yeah. Um, Kevin and I uh, decided that as long as we're doing Dark Knight, we might as well do this series because it came out like basically at the same time. And it was part of the ascension of Frank Miller into immortal status. Yeah. And although it's not as influential as Dark Knight, few stories are, it's pretty influential and pretty big. So, and um, it also, yeah. So we thought we would just kind of do it. It would yeah. be a good. Um, we, we would leverage a lot of the stuff we've talked about in the Dark Knight episodes. We've already covered Batman year one. Uh, we've covered now Dark Knight Returns, so it just makes sense to cover the third of his sort of mainstream epics. Yeah. Um, and also, like, uh, yeah. Uh, so, um, Kevin, what are we talking about here? This is Born Again. What is Born Again? So Born Again is a story arc. I guess it's five issues. Uh, it's a five-issue story, Born Again, and then a two-issue Coda, God and Country. Yeah. Uh, by Frank Miller, writer. David Mazzuchelli, artist, the same team that did Batman Year One or will do Batman Year One. Uh, and it is Frank Miller's return to Daredevil. He had he had kind of become hot as the artist, writer-artist of Daredevil. Um, that's sort of where he made his fame. And now he's come back to Daredevil to do another story. And it is called Born Again. And it is the story of the Kingpin learning who Daredevil really is. And sort of yeah. the fallout of that. Yeah. And um, and Kevin, how would you describe the importance of this story? Like um, you and I certainly liked it personally at the time, but what what is its what is its significance into the comics world at large? Well, I mean, Daredevil is a B-tier character, probably. Mm -hmm. And I think it elevates Daredevil to like the bottom of the A-tier. Okay. Uh, I mean, if not this, maybe his first run did it. Maybe the Electra saga already did that. Yeah. Um, but Frank Miller's run on Daredevil has elevated Daredevil to this next level. And then this is a story. This is like a pretty self-contained story. The best Daredevil story of all time. 
most would say, I would, mm-hmm. I would think. And a lot of characters don't have a story this good that you can just hand to somebody and be like, Oh, you want, you like daredevil. You should read born again. Yeah. There's not a lot of books like that. I mean, you know, it's like, what would you give someone if they wanted to read like the best Spider-Man story? I mean, Craven's Lost Hunt. Yeah, maybe it's not really that. It's a great story, but is it the most Spider-Man-y story? Master Planner, so old and kind of old-fashioned. So dated, yeah. Uh, I don't know what you'd give that. There's a lot of stories you could give them, and they're all pretty good. But there, this is the Daredevil story. This firmly entrenches what had already been done by his early run, making him a Daredevil this sort of noirish character, and that is sort of locked in forever at this point. Right. There's an argument to be made that we could have done the original Frank Miller Daredevil run. Yeah. We might at some point do something with that. That That is where Frank Miller started as just the artist and then became the writer. And, it, you know, his his voice kind of evolved during that time. Like the early, early Frank Miller Daredevil stories are actually pretty standard fare superhero story of the month issues. Um, and then he rapidly becomes like crime writer and he works in all the ninja stuff and the art becomes more stylized and he starts working with Klaus Jansen, the inker, and they develop what becomes known as the classic Frank Miller style. That's on his original run. And that's where Electra gets created and the romance with Electra. So when he, and when he left that run, you know, he, I might argue that that moved Daredevil from the, a forgettable B character to bottom yeah. of the A. Uh, you said yes. that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, so it's interesting that he came back. Um, and maybe it's interesting that it was good. Like a lot of times when a creator comes back to something, they blow it. You know what I mean? Like um, I'm, th- I'm thinking like in TV and movies. Yeah. Maybe this isn't true. Like didn't Aaron Sorkin like leave the West Wing and then come back? No, he didn't come back. Oh, never mind. Okay. Um, but he did leave the West Wing and it got bad. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I guess uh, and then it. like he did uh, the HBO show that wasn't as good. The Newsroom. Yeah. Um, it certainly feels like you can't come home again. Like what? Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for saving my point. It's crazy to compete against yourself, right? It's like, Oh, you did this amazing story. Uh, it's really good. And you're the best writer there ever was on this book. All you can do is come back and hurt that legacy. Yeah. Uh, you can make it better. Of course, if it's like, and he's still great, he did it again, but so the best you can do is like, he's still great. Yeah. Uh, uh, the worst you can do is, ah, Daredevil blew it. I mean, he also came back even later and did Man Without Fear, like the origin story, which is pretty good. Right, right. With uh, John Romita Jr. So he's done it multiple times. Uh, but it is also crazy to come back and do better. Now, a lot of that is because of our artist, David Mazzuccelli. Yeah, sure. Now, David was the artist before Miller came back, like before this run. There's a little run of Daredevil stories written by Denny O'Neill, classic comic book writer who's famous for Batman stories and lots of Mm -hmm. stories, the editor of Dark Knight Returns. Um, And he wrote a bunch of Daredevil stories withdrawn by David. Uh, And those are actually pretty good, too. I've written those and and those are they are more standard. I mean, I've written those. I've read those. (laughs) I went back in time. You're Denny O'Neill. I went back in time and became Denny O'Neill. Yeah. It's a nice career you had there. and and they're they're really good. Uh, it must have hurt. It must have been shocking when you died recently. Yeah, the other I, version of you, <laughs> the the Denny O'Neill version of me. Yeah, I was like, oh, that was my other life. But um, and so Mazzuccelli was like already kind of like making this store this series 
really good in a new way just with his art. Yeah. With, with Denny's stories. Um, and so I wonder if that was part of what made Frank want to come back or um, Dave Mazzicelli is interesting because he's so good and he's done so little. Yeah. He's done so few comics. Right. Um, but actually let's put a pin in that real quick. Uh, back to Frank Miller. Okay. In your opinion, what makes Frank Miller's good stories good? Cause he's done both good stories and bad stories over his time. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, uh, we should have prepared for this. Uh, what makes his good stories good? I think it is just, uh, particularly in the time frame, just how unique they were. They weren't. They didn't feel like superhero fare. Yeah. Right. They. They were. I mean, they had costumes and all that sort of stuff. There's not a lot of costume in this, uh, but it, it. He takes his noir, his love of like noirish detective type stories, hard boiled crime stories. And brings them in in a way where he's like using the superheroes to tell the stories he really wants to tell. He's telling yeah. his Sin City type of stories through Daredevil. And by doing that, he makes Daredevil very unique. Uh, and other people had done that, right? Steve Gerber was doing his sort of meta stuff with Howard the Duck and, mm -hmm. and Man-Thing or whatever. And I'm sure yeah. other people did it as well. Uh, Starenko did spy stuff with his Nick Fury books. But it wasn't done very much. I think it's done a lot more now. And it's even done in the movies, right? People talk about like, oh, the Ant-Man movie is more of a comedy heist movie than a superhero movie. Or right, right. The Spider-Man movies are sort of like high school comedies. Um, and it's like, yeah, they're mixing the genres more blatantly. And this yeah. was doing that very blatantly at a time, you know, Marvel's doing some excitement. But like, as good as Claremont's X-Men is and as good as Burns FF is, those are superhero comics. Right. There's a good guys good, and bad guys and yeah. powers versus powers. And even Walt Simonson's Thor superhero comics. Yeah. Uh, it's got, you know, mythology into it. So it's big and epic, but it still feels like superhero comic. It's capes and, and, and drama and, and, and punching is like <laughs> driving the stories where this is something different. This is sort of like, I've only reread the first issue so far. Well, I know we're going to cover all these, but um, it's like, the mental anguish of Daredevil is so unique. Yes, I, I agree. Um, I think you've that that I totally agree that um, what you've said about Frank Miller bringing uh, crime fiction. Here comes a but. Here's how you're wrong. Yeah, <laughs> but you are an idiot for these reasons. Um, no, um, I would say, and also this story, mm -hmm. Born Again, in addition to your normal Miller crime fiction does a thing which we, he was doing at this time, which was how can I take an established character and heighten its like core mechanics? Like whatever makes this character work, I'm going to make it a hundred times that. Like with Batman, it's like, I'll put it in the future. I'll make Gotham extra violent so that Batman in response has to be crazy violent. Yeah. And, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn Batman from a talented, obsessive detective into a myth who was like a primal force. Yeah. And in this story of Born Again, it's like, okay, what really makes Daredevil Daredevil? And he removes all the trappings. Um, like he loses his license to practice law in the story. He loses his home. He loses his costume for a lot of it. Yeah. Uh, and he's kind of like, um, but what makes him him? And it's kind of like the fighter who won't give up is Daredevil. Yeah. And it also... 
in a way sort of, and I haven't read the runs that follow it, which I've heard good things about as well, but like sort of breaks the character, not, not breaks really, I think but so, like yeah. changes it completely where it's like, this is a almost a completely different character. Like if this had been the first arc of a character, you'd be like, okay, this is the stories we're going to tell, but it's like, this isn't anything like what we've been doing up to this point. Now, do we go back to what we were doing before born again? Yeah. It's, or it's do we really- now follow from this sort of guy who's sort of smiling on the street, not pretending to be blind, really. Yeah, it's weird. He sort of gets rid of the blind aspect by the end of this story. Yeah. In a way, like, and of course, that's the original hook of Daredevil, a guy yeah. who's blind, but the rest of his senses are heightened. Yeah. Um, you could have easily followed this story with just like, just like, this is the new status quo. He's just sort of this, you know, the chef at a diner who's like, uh, um, you know, just living in the house kitchen, doing what he can. And That's, like, that seems like what he intended, but um, to, to leave it like that. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. I mean, and I don't know if it was immediately brought back. Cause again, I haven't followed <laughs> my lack of research means I have not read what follows this. Um, I think, I think but nowadays daredevil feels like he's still a lawyer. Most of the time he's still, yeah. It kind of reverted to, yeah. Uh, I think Anne Nascenti was the writer after this and she, she was, been, yeah, she'd been the editor on X-Men and I, I read it for a while and I did enjoy them, but they were more like standard fare episodic yeah. stories. Um, yeah. Frank Miller, it's almost kind of like, <laughs> and, and he kind of, yeah, he broke the character. It's like he used his clout you know, he mm-hmm. is the daredevil guy when he comes back and he like wrecks it. I mean, it would be like somebody coming back to the fantastic four and be like, no more Baxter building, um, divorce Sue and Reed. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, thing actually is human now and he could turn into a thing, whatever he wants. I know that actually does happen occasionally, yeah. but like, and there's still the fantastic four in ways that I will show you. Or yeah, something they don't like have that. unlimited resources. Um, right. Uh, Johnny is uh, settled down, like just remove, like I don't know if that would, uh, yeah, yeah, it like, would be. It's it, like, it, but they're still going to go on adventures. That's what's important. Or just like they, they don't have powers, right? We've talked about that. Like take a, make the Fantastic Four the challenges of the unknown right. permanently. Um, would and that comic still feel like the Fantastic Four? Probably would. It, it would be lacking some of the bombacity, but. Um, but then whoever came in after that would be like, well, now I got to give them their powers back. Yeah, I need their I gotta powers. I got to get Reed and Sue back together. They got to stay married. That's I who need they the are. Baxter building. This is crazy. Yeah. So Miller was kind of reckless and like, um, but I do think this story is is great. There are some huge flaws in it that we'll get into. Sure. And huge shortcomings of the time and sort of almost like embarrassing things. But the good parts are really good. And, um, and it's really well told. It's well told. And the art is incredible. I, th- I really... You know, reading this right after Dark Knight, like I'm reminded how Mazzuchelli's art really nicely softens Frank Miller. Like it's so much easier to read this story. Like Dark Knight is hard to read Mm -hmm. and there's so much information. And and Born Again, for all of its limitations, mostly the Karen Page character arc, um, it's easy. It's an easy read, like a pleasant, yeah. like page turning. You know what's going on. You are oriented so well at all times. I mean, in this story, Daredevil it goes through such mental anguish. He is destroyed mentally and emotionally, and it ends with a building exploding. But at the end, I was like, this felt quiet. This felt like yeah. a quiet story to me. It is. It's all set up. Um, it's huge. Lots of things. It's a, it's massive changes happen in this, but it feels quiet. Um. The the I talked to just to you about this right before we recorded. I just want to say it 
now for posterity. Um, his identity, this story is about Kingpin finding out that Daredevil is Matt Murdock and that status quo stays for a long time. Like Daredevil and Kingpin just knows for yeah. that's just a thing about Kingpin. Now he knows who Daredevil really is. He holds that over him. And then at some point during, I think Brian Michael Bendis's run, it becomes outed to like the world. Right. Okay. And uh, it becomes like a known quantity. It's a very long running arc under Brian Michael Bendis. Um, I think Matt Murdock goes to jail for like, you know, like, I don't know, law practice issues or so. I can't remember exactly why, but like, you know, being a superhero at night and affecting your cases, has yeah. got to be illegal in many ways. Yeah. Um, and it becomes just sort of a thing where it's like this known secret that Matt Murdock is Daredevil that Matt Murdock sort of just publicly denies. No comment, no comment, but everyone sort of knows is true. His friends and family are always in danger. Because villains know, like, oh, well, we know he's Matt Murdock. Everyone knows it's in the newspapers. Until uh, very recently, pretty recently, Charles Soule was a writer of Daredevil. And he, uh, using the magic of superheroes, put it back in the bottle. The purple man who has, like, mind control powers, his children, who I guess also have mind control powers. And as a gift to Daredevil, uh, against his wishes, really, uh, brainwashed the world into forgetting who daredevil is he did like a dr strange and spider-man no way home 100 uh, percent, yeah yeah uh, and this is after i think the same thing had happened in the spider-man comics because spider-man had unmasked during civil war so it's you know it's a thing that happens people so get like uh, 35 years after the original born again story the identity is finally back right and now very currently in the chip zadarsky story uh he's doing he's right chip zadarsky friend of the podcast guest right. of the podcast that's right i wonder if he remembers um, he did that uh he, we sort of made him yeah i think yeah we he, could take credit for him he's really big now and a lot of times people say it all started when he appeared on screw it we're just going <laughs> to talk about comics uh, he's writing daredevil now and he's doing sort of a marvel event called devil's reign that sort of started because kingpin realized remembered that he at one time knew daredevil's identity or knew something about daredevil but he couldn't remember it anymore and it was starting to drive him mad that this had been stolen from him. This memory had been taken. Uh, and in uh, a spoiler alert, he remembers now. Uh, this That arc is the story. Uh, Devil's Reign is not done yet. I don't know where it's going. I don't know if he'll still remember when it's over. I don't know the ramifications of this. But the most recent issue has him remembering in the last caption of the last page that I read yesterday, the last two words were born again. So this uh, Kingpin was saying it to himself, but. So this story's influence over the Daredevil run is unquestionable. It's, it's unquestionable. No one would ever have denied that it is the most important. This and Elektra uh, are the two most important things that have happened to Daredevil ever. Pretty wild. Uh, so anyway. Um, so, and, wh and yeah. what's, our, what's our personal history with it? Like, I rem for me, this is a big one. Like, I was... Intent. Well, let me let me let me interrupt you before you even say. Do you know if was this a big deal? Did you know this was coming before it happened, or was this sort of like a stealth Frank Miller thing? I because it's just in the regular issues, right? This is sort of like a, Batman Year One. It's is this do is this before Dark Knight Returns starts coming out? My memory is that it's right before. Um, like I was reading this yeah. and I went to our comic book shop guy and I was like, "This is like really good." And he was like, "Oh, yeah, it's coming out with Dark Knight Returns in a couple of months." Okay. Like it's almost like concurrent. Was it like advertised? Was it like no. an amazing heroes that Frank Miller's coming no. back? Were you just reading Daredevil and all of a sudden next issue, Frank Miller's on it? 
I was just reading Daredevil and and suddenly Frank Miller's on it. I, I was I picked it up, I think, because of Mazzuchelli's art. Yeah. Like I glanced through and says, Oh, this looks pretty. And I bought a couple issues when Denny O'Neill was writing, me, right. time travel me. And right. um and then I think they, you know, like in the Marvel uh bullpen bulletins they were like hey we got exciting news like frank miller's coming back to do a story but yeah, i don't remember but that's being not a, f- a huge that's not a huge deal the bullpen bulletins is as small a right, promotion was, as you can do yeah i don't remember it being like a big deal like dark knight returns was like advertised and like you saw ads for it in other comics and stuff like that yeah um but uh i'm looking here this started in february 86 so right before dark knight and I think that's like two months before. I feel I feel like Dark Knight has happened while this was happening. Yeah, I don't Which know is, how that's possible. But I guess it was. No, this says it started also February 86. Dark Knight was like the same time. So, yeah. I don't know if he had finished Dark Knight or, or he's... Uh, and it was just like... I know, because it wasn't it delayed. No, that was Watchmen. I don't know. Maybe he had finished Dark Knight and they were just like doling it out. And now he had moved back to Marvel to do this. Who knows? Anyway. Who knows? Yeah. It's crazy. Uh, that these were at the same time and that there was this one big bombastic release. It, it's as if like, uh, you know, sometimes like an actor becomes like a huge star in a movie. Yeah. You know, it's like, Oh, Tom Holland in the first Spider-Man movie. Maybe it's like, he goes from just like being a good actor to like, now he's a superstar actor. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, he's in some other movie that also just, he made before, but it's just also coming out now. But when that happens, those movie studios, like, promote the hell out of it star of spider-man in our movie you know? yeah 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 uh two dumb idiots in a garbage can starring tom like, holland spider-man <laughs> and it's like just a movie he had made two years ago that was sitting on a shelf somewhere right right like, let's take a minute but marvel is just sort of like yeah dark Knight returns and also frank miller's over here doing a little thing no big deal right it's weird to me it's totally weird. I mean, I, my experience was I was reading Daredevil. I had no idea that this was coming. I, I vividly remember issue 226 and 227. 227, the one that ends with There Is No Corpse. I remember reading that line for the first time. I was sitting in art class in 10th grade and reading it, just being like, oh, my God, this is good. <laughs> and so you've been paying attention? No, okay. I was doing the, I was doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And um, why I was in art class was a disaster. <laughs> um but I um, and then Dark Knight Returns came out and I picked up Dark Knight Returns because of Born Again. I was like, oh, this is the guy who's doing the Daredevil story. Uh, he must be like that turned to me. And I was like, and I also remember thinking, like, how is he writing for both Marvel and DC? That's something that I, that I don't think ha- especially doesn't in this happen much. Yeah. High profile way. Yeah. Um, Had you read Daredevil, his original run in Daredevil? No. Oh, so Isn't this that- is your introduction to Frank Miller. Yes. <laughs> That's a pretty good introduction. <laughs> Yeah, I was sort of spoiled. I was like, oh, he's like a measured, good storyteller. Yeah, you just discovered the new John Byrne. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's as good as Bill Mantlo, um, who was very good. I don't mean to slam on Bill Mantlo, but um, I love Bill. um, But I we've said it before. I I do think that mainstream comics in the mid 80s went through this insane golden era where you could just pick up an issue on the stands. And it would be not just a good issue, but an issue that would be talked about for the next like 30 years. Hmm. But it was, you know, you could pick up Beta Ray Bill, Miller's Born Again, Burns Fantastic Four, Claremont's X-Men. They were all sitting right next to each other. It's pretty yeah. nice. Hobgoblin Saga had just ended. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Um, 
So for me, I think, I don't think I remember you talking about this comic to me that much. Maybe you knew it was too adult for your uh, second grade brother, third grade brother. What were you? What was it? What I year was 10th grade. So you oh, were right, fifth, so fifth grade. Yeah. I don't remember you talking much about this. I remember Dark Knight Returns laying around, which is also very adult, but maybe just more cartoonish. It also just visually stands out. Like if, if an issue it's of Dark Knight Batman around, versus Daredevil. Right. Right. I mean, uh, I'm going to be drawn to Batman before Daredevil, especially at that time when Daredevil still isn't, you know, he's not, he's not in cartoons. Batman is in the super friends. Yeah. I know him, but I don't remember this until later on. I think maybe when it was collected, you started showing it to me. Okay. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Cause I think I was older by the time I had, it was even aware born again was a thing and okay. it was much older. I don't think I read his original run until we lived in New York city. I didn't either. I didn't read it till years later. Uh, when you got the uh, Daredevil Visionaries collections, yeah, that's when I read it. For the, I borrowed those from you, and then you, I kept them. <laughs> Still have them. Uh, I, wonder, I wondered where they went. I think you were getting rid of them, and I said, "Well, I'll take these." Okay, yeah. Didn't doing one of my book purges. Yeah, um, um, and maybe that's how I got your Born Again as well, because I think I have your Born Again collection. Oh, I bought it again a couple of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get that one too from you. Uh, so <laughs> I, I don't remember when I first read this, um, but I feel like I was older. Okay. But uh, at some point you came to appreciate it and like it. I mean, in the same sense, I don't think I read year one um, when it came out. Okay. I think I also read that later on. I think, I don't know, maybe those glossy covers really did it for Dark Knight Returns. It was just like, it was harder not to read that. Because um, I think I read year one, we had the issues. Uh, so maybe I read it in the issues, but I, I remember reading that in the trade very early. Yeah. Uh, year, year one, I sought out because at that point I was like, whatever Frank Miller does, I'm going to get, yeah. which I did for quite a while because I was like, this guy's mm-hmm. incredible. <laughs> yeah, we had uh, the Martha Washington stuff and... Uh, yeah, boiled and all that weird stuff. Yeah. Um, and then after a while, I was like, oh, he's becoming annoying. And I and I stopped reading all Frank Miller. But um, so how do we want to do this? We want to take a break or get into the issue and then take a break. Let's take a break and then just get into the issue. And then uh, in typical screw fashion, we're doing a totally confusing strategy of covering this. We're doing a single issue in this episode. And then we're going to do two issues per episode going forward. That's the plan. Until we break the plan. Until we change it. All right, so let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk about issue 227, the first chapter of Born Again. Screw it. We're just going to talk about comics. This partnered with Shortboxed. Shortboxed is an app and a website where you can safely buy and sell graded comics online. They're trusted by the most respected dealers and collectors in the industry. As part of our partnership, we're going to be doing periodic giveaways. Uh, Their first giveaway is Dark Knight Returns number one. This is the 2018 foil cover edition, but it's signed by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen, and it's graded 9.8. It's worth over $300 on most uh, things that value those sorts of things. Nice. So to enter this contest, go to shortbox.com slash screw it and enter your email. That's going into March 10, 2022. Everybody go ahead and do it. It's free. No purchase necessary. They will send you a coupon with $15 of credit if you want to buy something at Shortbox but that's up to you. Yeah, but if you get a coupon, you got to use it. That's a law. You got to use all your coupons. Yeah. Kevin, if you were going to buy something from Shortbox today, what might you go shopping for? You can get anything you want. I'm going to get something 
with a piece of like gold oh, attached to it. Yes, or, I should. Yes, um, I should have said you can't make those kind of conditions. You have to actually just pick a comic book that you want for the comic I itself. I see. So nothing with secret riches or a treasure map. That was my next choice. I don't think they have such things on Shortboxed. I, mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at every listing. I haven't searched for hidden jewels on the app, but mm-hmm. I assume that's just not one of the comics they have. Well, if I can't ask for one with a treasure map in it, I will ask for Amazing Spider-Man 18, I believe. Mm-hmm. That's the the middle of the cowardly Spider-Man arc, as I'm going to dub it right now. Okay. So 17 is the one where he runs away from a fight with the Green Goblin because he hears Aunt May is in the hospital. And 19 yeah. is where he suits up again and fights. But 18 is the issue in between where he spends the whole issue like hiding from action. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because he can't risk hurting himself while Aunt yeah. May depends on him so much. And it is so fun. Yeah. Uh, if nothing else, just for Jonah Jameson's pure happiness. <laughs> I remember it. I mean, when we covered uh, all the Spidey issues, I remember we sort of discovered like, oh, this little three issue run is a great mini arc back in the original Amazing Spider-Man issues. Yeah, uh, it's it's so fun. So it, I think about it a lot. Uh, mine would be Fantastic Four 232. This is the first issue that was written and drawn by John Byrne. And I love it. I, I love that whole era of Fantastic Four. I love that issue in particular. So it's got kind of personal, you know, significance to me. Diablo is the villain. I just remember thinking it's really fun. I would I would get that issue. You love potion-based villains. They're uh, they're my weakness. What can I say? Uh, that is a great run. John Burns' whole run. It's just there's something both new and classic about it at the same time. It's just so great. Glad you started talking because I was trying to think of other potion-based villains and I was really <laughs> coming up short. I gotta hope there isn't one, but <laughs> I mean there probably is. So everybody, um, please enter the contest and download the app and uh, check it out. Let's get back to the show now. And we're back, Will. Oh, great. I can't wait. Um, um, here's an interesting... So I read this last night. I feel like of the Frank of the three Frank Miller things, I've read this the least. I probably read this... I probably read this three or four times total. Oh, I'd be interested to hear what you think about it as we go through then. Where year one, I've probably read a dozen times. And Dark Knight Returns, I've probably read way more than a dozen times. Yes, me too. I think that's uh, true for me also. I think, I, I think in a, I've read Born Again more, but um, I think that's still true for me. Uh, and certainly uh, when I, I read the first issue last night in preparation for our recording, I have not reread the rest of the story, though I remember it pretty well. I, I don't remember details, but I remember broad strokes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so as I remember, I was, it was one of those things where I'm reading it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember this. Oh, yeah. Like as I read it, I remember that I've read it before. Um, but it doesn't have I don't necessarily know it as well or as deeply as those other two Frank Miller stories. Um, so it was mm-hmm. very fun to read this. For me, it it almost it's as close as I'll get to like discovering it. Okay, yeah, um, uh, and it was really fun to read. That's all. So in this issue, the high level is Kingpin discovers Matt Murdock's identity and destroys his life. Yeah. Um, there's consequences of that that will unfold later, but destroys his life, like freezes his accounts, um, frames him for a crime. Does all we'll get into it, but does all these things that like really makes his life miserable, and it's a way to test. To see is, you know, if I do these things to Matt Murdock, do I see weird behavior in Daredevil, which he does. And then he's like, yep. okay, so it's true. And it ends with him blowing up Matt Murdock's apartment building. Yeah. Now, Kingpin was in the earlier Frank Miller stories. Oh, yeah. He was a huge part of them. Okay. So so I, I couldn't remember that for sure. I was like, is this, uh, I mean, this no. is what cements Kingpin, I think, as the, uh, a Daredevil villain. But I guess it was already 
it was he was well already underway. Yes, he was like one of the main villains in the original Frank Miller run. Yeah, I mean, he just fits Daredevil so perfectly. It's it's crazy to me that he is a Spider-Man villain first. Yeah, I know. I don't think of him that way, but he. But um, I know it's strange. Yeah. And and the the other big part of the story is that, um, which is the part that I think ages badly. And I I do I do sometimes I hesitate to like, you know, put a story on trial for modern, more progressive sensibilities versus whatever was true at the time. But this is so big that I got to call it out, which is like Karen Page, the um who used to be a supporting character in the Daredevil world, the secretary of, of yeah. uh, Nelson and Murdoch. Um, the love and, interest. And the love interest of Matt Murdoch, sort of the Lois Lane to his Superman. The Betty Brandt to his high school Peter Parker. Yes. Uh, has been, was gone from the story. The Carol Ferris to his Hal Jordan. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. The, the Mara to his Arthur Curry. <laughs> Keep going, get the, deeper and the deeper. The Storm to Reed Richards. That's too big. Uh, <laughs> The, just cheek, go, the cheeks to his ambush bug. <laughs> there you go. Um, the, the Saturn girl to his cosmic boy. I don't know if they did it. <laughs> I have no idea if they dated. But Frank Miller in the most Frank Millery story turn ever. So for, and Karen Page has been out of the picture for non-dramatic reasons up until She's now. Faded out, yeah. And for <laughs> Frank Miller brings her back and reveals that she has become a porn star addicted to heroin in Mexico yeah. on the run, and she sells daredevil's identity for heroin yeah um and I mean, that uh, and that launches everything into into uh motion that is and a I, crazy adult thing that happened in a marvel comic book it is so nuts like even now when i read this first page i'm like oh my gosh like she's uh, yeah. you know, the very first page of this uh, you know the first page is a good example of the limitations and strengths of the story actually yeah, I mean, I love the first page of this. I the, but you love the, it because of the art, right? The art is incredible. The art is so good. Yeah, I mean, the art announces David Mazzucchelli <laughs> with such authority. This is also probably for you as well. This was my introduction to Karen Page. Me too. So it wasn't like I knew her as the secretary. I know nothing about that version of her. I just know her as like this sort of strung out porn star. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and so. And, and, you know, Frank Miller became huge with this and Dark Knight Returns and year one. Uh, and he had already was quite big because of the original Daredevil run. Uh, and so it was a couple of years before us teenage boy comic book fans were like, oh, it's weird that the that one of the only female characters in the story yeah. is a complete, not just a damsel in distress, but an objectified, drugged out, manipulative victim. Like, it's weird. Like, what we noticed yeah. at the time was ooh how adult is this pulpy mm-hmm. noiry story just like the presence of heroin in a big way was yeah. kind of weirdly thrilling maybe maybe the equivalent would be like pulp fiction when like yes. you see John Travolta shooting up heroin in this kind of lighthearted crime movie yeah i know it's weird to call pulp fiction lighthearted but it kind it is. of is yeah it is sure it is and like and here he's like cooking heroin in a spoon and shooting it. When you watch that, you're like, you feel kind of naughty. If you're like a suburban kid who's done like nothing wrong. Now you could take a look and be like, gosh, this is glamorizing, you know, Mm -hmm. a serious drug. And this is like, sort of like uh, showing John, you know, maybe the Pulp Fiction effect has like this kind of bad side to it. Yeah. You wouldn't be wrong. But when Pulp Fiction came out, it was just thrilling for a lot of people. And similarly, Karen Page Although I think it's laughable how much he has taken who is this sweet 
kind of milk toasty love interest character and yeah. turned her into a just depraved <laughs> in one in just one fell swoop. Yeah. But at the time, it was this kind of oh, this is a real detective story. This, uh, the, the, the tiny bit of credit I'll give him is he didn't just kill her. He didn't just kill her, and like, because that also would have been like he could have killed her in this issue as well, and that would have also been another thing to drive Daredevil crazy. Yeah. Uh, he no, left her alive, and then she sort of gets rehabilitated after she, this and becomes like a, a good character. She gets redeemed uh, and, and rehabilitated. And yeah. then killed by Kevin Smith uh, later oh, on. I didn't know that. Which, yeah. Uh, and like that to me is uh, in a weird way worse uh, just because like he, now the character's gone. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, but that, I didn't know that until right now. That breaks my heart. Um, yeah. I mean, it's fridging, right? It's killing a character to make another character. It's the, the, the phrase they use for this, which is from comic books. That was a Green Lantern story where uh, a girlfriend of Kyle Rayner, the Green Lantern, was killed and left. The body was like stuffed into a refrigerator to affect Kyle Rayner. And it's like, yeah, that's going to affect him. Kind of a crappy thing to do the female characters. Uh, and this is like one notch. Uh, I, I Maybe maybe not. Maybe some people disagree with me. I'm, what, do, what do I know? I'm a, a white man. But this feels one notch better, at least. like, well, Because by the end of the story, she's in an f- interesting place. I'll say this, like, I, I don't know if I want to defend it. I, I think you could have made Karen Page a bit more well-rounded easily and still sure. have Born Again work. But I will say that maybe the reason it didn't pop that way, first of all, it's all teenage boys reading comic books at this time. Yeah. Um, but um, sometimes I look at it as an actor. If I were an actor and I was playing this part, would I be excited to play it? And um, I think Karen Page is very close to a to a exciting character to play. Like, could you get a top level actress to yeah. want to play Karen Page? You'd have to make a couple of adjustments, but not too many. Yeah, um, she's it interesting. Is, she makes some she makes some surprising moves. So uh, it is a disappointing character arc. If you like liked Karen Page before, and I don't know if there were like Karen Page fans before, like, uh, but it's like, oh, you kind of just like ruin her for the yeah. sake of the story rather than like she doesn't seem to have any agency early on uh but at the same time like she, she's got something now she's got things to do like when she escapes getting shot in the story it's very exciting mm-hmm. i mean there's parts of it that aren't that great too but it, she becomes anyway. a she becomes a memorable character and I also say the story is good the story is yeah. exciting and well told so it's like for example, in the Pulp Fiction thing, well, it's like, yeah, heroin's being glamorized. It's kind of maybe being cavalier about, but man, that movie's good. Sure. Um, and at, at, at least Karen Page is being thrown to the wolves in a story that is yeah, immortal. Okay, let's get into it. First page. We see Karen Page. She's in Mexico talking to, it turns out, a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. It is a very classic noirish setting with like light streaming in through closed window blinds. Yes. They're smoking cigarettes or the cigarette smoke in the air. And, you know, and and we get the Frank Miller captions. Frank Miller also did full scripts for this. This is not like a Marvel Marvel style plot, which I think is what David Mazzuchelli was doing prior to this. I think when Frank Miller came on, he I I just was reading this earlier today and he said, like, I'll do it. But I'm is Mazzuchelli okay working off full scripts because I I, Miller wants that control. Right. Uh, and Mazzuchelli knocks it out of the park. So he's knocks to have it no out issues. of the park. Um, 
And so it would, the action here is the pushers kind of like, I've seen your films. They're big at stag parties, meaning they're porn films. Yeah. What's your name again? Paige, Karen Page. That's a name that even if you have a casual interest in Daredevil, you know who that is. This is the old love interest. Um, and then the pusher goes, want a shot? Offering her a bottle of whiskey. No, didn't think so. Not a shot of booze anyway. So once yeah. heroin. Uh, we already have two insanely heightened, crazy things on the first page. And yeah. then the last pen on this first page, Daredevil. Okay, I said it. I said the name. And he's got another name, and it's written down right here. You want it or not? And she's holding an envelope. And what a dramatic way yeah, to like set up that she's giving away the secret identity. Like, this is the good part of Frank Miller, which is like, what an, you know, builds up this page porn movies, drugs, she's selling yeah. something. And what she's selling is the secret identity of the hero, which, you know, in comic books at this time is one of those things that's sacred cow. You don't give up the secret identity. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you, people make fun of comics because it's like, why don't you just tell your girlfriend who that you're a superhero? It's it, You're lying to her whenever you don't tell her. It's because she could turn into Karen Page. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> this is a cautionary tale. Yeah, that's right. For all love interests of superpowered yeah. figures. This is why Peter never told Betty. <laughs> she would have been a porn star. She would have become a porn star. He was saving her from a bad uh, life. And a Steve Ditko drawn porn just would be disturbing for everybody. I think. <laughs> the hairstyles of those porn stars would have been really weird. Um, now, how beautiful is this page, though? Yeah, it's great. I mean, this first few pages are all just sort of each has like a different mood and they're so cool because on the next page, it's bright lit, no more smoke. It's a tall office building, very white. And it's got that same drug dealer. Who's like sitting with like a high level mafioso yeah. crime boss or something. And he's got barely the- has time. He doesn't, he's like, doesn't want to give time to this like drug dealer underling. Yeah. But some other drug dealer got five minutes with him and he's like, I got something you're going to want to see Daredevil's real name. And he's holding the envelope that we saw Karen Page give to him. Nice visual representation of the info. Yep. And then we go from here to a boat. Um, and it's at, very red now at this point. It's like sunset. Everything is in silhouette. And it's the kingpin meeting with his top lieutenant. So now we are at the top of a crime organization. Mm-hmm. And one of the lieutenants sitting in a chair has the envelope and gives it to kingpin. And um, this has a number of effects. Now, this makes the Kingpin, who already is a big top-tier villain, seem even larger. We have to climb up through this pyramid to get to him. The drawing of him on page three, standing on the boat, this huge silhouette, looks foreboding and ominous. I mean, Kingpin in the Spider-Man comics, the John Romita era Spider-Man comics, seemed silly to me. Yes. He's a crime boss, and I get it. I understand the shorthand of that. He's this big guy, and he's strong. But these three pages... He's a fearsome. This is your introduction to Kingpin, which it might have been for me, though I think I'd read him in some Spider-Man gang war stuff at this point. Um, He seems terrifying here, even if you never heard of him before. You know this guy is bad news. And uh, Kingpin is immediately interested in the envelope, dismisses everybody, and then he gives, he has Wesley, who's his like little toady who sticks around for orders. Who shows up in the Daredevil TV show. Oh, interesting. And Kingpin says to Wesley, turn the yacht back to New York. Locate everyone who has touched the envelope or spoken to anyone who has and await the kill order. In the meantime, I shall test the information, which tells us that all the people we just saw touch the envelope are going to be on a kill list for Kingpin. Yep. Um, how So much is established in these three pages, and, and a spell has been cast. We are not in a normal superhero book. We're in a crime novel. Yeah. 
it's really incredible. I mean, again, I, 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 I I'm a sucker for this story, the art and the words and the pace of the story, man, we are in for a ride. I love the idea that Kingpin doesn't positive. This is real, but he believes it enough that he's willing to test it and get ready to kill everyone. Mm-hmm. Cause he wants to be the only one who knows this. Yeah. It has uh, no power. If everybody knows this, he kind of has a Darth Vader vibe in the story, you know, like everybody's like scared of him and like, yeah, just, you know, he's, he could kill anybody at a moment's notice. Yeah. I mean, you these know, people have done something nice for him. They've given him a thing he wants and they're dead for it. Yeah. Um, now we turn the page. We've got a page four. this is a splash page and it's a recurring motif in the born again series, which the splash page is always Matt Murdoch asleep. Yeah. He's in his bed, nice bed, sheets sort of thrown off, his handsome chest shown off to the readers. Easy on the eyes. Uh, no nipples, as is uh, standard for superhero books. Uh, Good looking, though. Lots of, I mean, lots of just like muscles where I didn't know you could get muscles. He looks yeah, great. Just abs where I don't think you have abs on a human body. Um, and th- every issue will open with him in a bed and we see his life like fall apart that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we get into a little series where we see that this is six months after Kingpin got the info. And today's the day that Matt Murdoch's life is taken away from him. Right. Yes. Uh, and it's also just fun. Again, this is where this kind of works as if something you could hand to somebody who's like, Oh, I saw daredevil in a movie or a TV show. I'd love to read more about him. This page sort of introduces all his powers and some of the fun ways he uses them. He talks about like reading his mail with his fingertips and like hearing the snowfall outside, hearing the hiss of radiators around the city, all that stuff's really cool. It's very fun. And uh, yeah, because this is just an issue of Daredevil. So Frank Miller still has to do the yeoman's work of establishing the character and the powers, which you do in every single issue of a superhero story. But Miller does it really artfully. Um, it's also just a beautiful page of Matt Murdock walking around his New York apartment. Great yeah, apartment. Oh, man, we, this is almost friends good. It's almost friends good. <laughs> Um, he, yeah, reading the mail with his fingertips is a nice little, little tip. Um, and there's hints here of what's to come, right? Yes. Um, like there's a, there's a cassette tape from his girlfriend, uh, and he notices can't be good since she lives in town. And that actually had been seeds had been planted in that throughout the Denny O'Neill stories that his girlfriend, uh, Gloria, uh, an Irish girl who lives in New York has been mad at Matt for neglecting her and falling in love with Foggy Nelson. That's been, that's oh, been okay. planted the previous couple issues. Which works really well into the story. He also, yeah, he, he's, he's getting some uh, past due payments uh, questions from the bank, which surprises him because he always pays his bills on time. And then the IRS is freezing his assets because there's an audit and he's kind of like questioning this, but he doesn't yet realize that this is, a part yeah. of a huge conspiracy to rip his life up. It just seems like a bad day to him right now. Yeah, it's like, oh, what a, it's like, oh, God, I got to deal with all this. He's probably yeah. thinking a couple of phone calls cleared up, a couple of this, whatever. Yeah, but I got to do it. What? A, how annoying. Uh, then he, we have the next page is a dual dialogue where we're listening to the cassette tape of Gloria basically breaking up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the 1986 equivalent of a texted voice memo. And he's talking to his accountant on the phone to investigate the finance thing. And the we hear that the finance guy is accusing Matt Murdock of foul play. Yeah. So he's getting dumped and basically told by his accountant that he might be a criminal. There's a knock yeah, at the, the door at the end of that the page. Door. 
and he's uh, served uh, uh, with a grand jury hearing. Yeah, not as a uh, witness. So uh, he and is a, being he, taken to trial for something. Yeah, this is a frame. And we find out here on this page, which is page whatever. Three, 12 four. of my trade. I have no idea in the issue. I think it's page six of the issue. Yeah, Hang on. I'm going to figure it out. Sounds right. Let's see. Porn star. Uh, uh, mid-level. Kingpin. Splash seven, page four, eight. five, six, seven, eight. So page eight, we learned that he's being framed for um, tampering with a witness. Yeah, a uh, cop, a very a good cop, a clean cop, a cop that has never ever done anything corrupt before. Is straight uh, has up fingered Matt Murdock, pointed at Matt Murdock, and said Matt Murdock has done illegal stuff. And so now we're learning that stuff's really bad. Like something is afoot. We the reader know what's going on. It's the kingpin pulling strings. Matt Murdock is still confused. But I just love the way Miller does this. Right. Um, you're a disease, Matthew. So Miller's talking to some other lawyer. You're a disease, Matthew. I'm risking my standing just by talking with you. If the charge Matthew, of you too, he's got like an accent. Uh, yeah. If the charge had been made by any other cop, any other, Ma, Ma, yeah, Matthew, but Nicholas Manolas, 20 years of impeccable performance. I know his record. I mean, we don't know the, his record, the reader, but like we're being But told. having Matt agree makes you think like this guy must be in the up and up or Daredevil wouldn't say that. Uh, there's also a good little Frank Miller joke here Very at the end of this page uh, when he leaves this, if it's a lawyer or a district attorney, I don't know who, and when he leaves the office, the receptionist is like, have a nice day. And he's like, don't push it. Pretty funny. Yeah. Seven of the worst days of his life. Yeah, that's right. Then we find that we cut to Gloria, his girlfriend who just- I think it's just Glory. Oh, Glory, who just um, dumped him, uh, his ex-girlfriend. Her yeah, apartment her, has her, been her. ransacked and robbed, probably by Kingpin's people looking for info. Yep. And so she goes home with Foggy just because she doesn't want to stay in her apartment, which makes sense. Go with, to a friend's house. And they have been flirting heavily the last couple. She's been flirting heavily with Foggy. Like Foggy, Matt has been ignoring her and not around and Foggy has been like a good friend. So that's what's happening here. Yeah. And then, then we, we cut to, to the Daily Bugle. The Daily Bugle, which is so frequently, whenever the Daily Bugle shows up, the story's getting good, in my opinion. I don't. I, well, it, I would say for sure in Daredevil stories, the Daily Bugle shows up. You get Ben Urich. It's it's so good. Ben Urich um, is such an amazing character in this. I, I I always kind of forget about him until I reread Born Again. I'm like, oh yeah, Ben Urich. What an amazing character. He, he is, is the Commissioner Gordon of this comic. In that, I wish there was more Urich. <laughs> you want less Daredevil, I, more Urich. I love him. He's great. So Urich is like your kind of classic '40s hard-boiled cigarette-smoking, hard-hitting crime journalist. Yeah. His like, captions are all typed on a typewriter. Yeah, when 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 Yurik's thinking the the captions are typed, Robbie Robertson, the the editor of the Daily Bugle, the number two guy to J. Jonah Jameson. You don't see a lot of Jameson in Daredevil because he's too cartoonish. You see Robbie and Ben instead. Because because we need the Bugle to have integrity in the Daredevil yeah. story, whereas in Spider Man we need it to be insane. <laughs> Although Jameson shows up in a great cameo later. Sure. Yeah. I mean. He's, you could do good stuff with him, but if you had a lot of Jameson, you'd be like, it wouldn't feel right if he didn't at least some point go, get and that Daredevil and pin him against the wall. <laughs> and take that Spider-Man down too. <laughs> and so we see here that Yurik um, has gotten the news that Murdoch's being framed. He knows that Murdoch is Daredevil. He knows that Murdoch is an impeccably good person. So he, knows he, he knows Matt Murdoch is Daredevil at this point? Yes. Okay. Um, And so he call i think he does 
He definitely knows that. Matt Murdock and knows Matt Murdock is good and doesn't believe all these allegations against him. I th- okay. I'm going to check that later. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but um, you, you might be right. I can't remember. I didn't read in this issue. It is not, that is not made clear. And but I, it's what, just one I, issue. I'm wrong so often that I, that I, that I don't believe my own opinion, but um, what we learn here is that Murdock is starting to go crazy. Like, things start to happen fast. I mean, things are already happening fast, but they continue to happen fast. Matt Murdock loses his mind. He gets paranoid. And so in talking to Ben, we just see Ben's side of the conversation, but he's like, "Uh, I have no statement for the press. A stranger tells me a chuckle, like dry ice cracking. He laughs. The line goes dead and Yurik hangs up. The laugh seems to echo through the office. I try to match it with the man who saved my life. I worry not about his honesty. Oh man, it's so fun. Um, yeah, it seems like he learned in the earlier uh, run. Yeah, I thought so. Um, and so now Daredevil is on the brink of losing his mind, but he has one last respite of sanity when he puts the costume on and just runs around New York. It kind of like makes him feel a little bit better. And plus we get this beautiful page of Daredevil in his bright red Wallywood designed costume, not Steve Ditko, as I wrongly said long ago, <laughs> running around Manhattan in the snow. And what I, this page, I've remembered it forever. It's so great. I mean, the uh, snow also just really visually works well with that very red costume. He just, it helps him pop in a really fun way. Uh, I also just love superheroes being like, oh, my life is falling apart. I'm just going to go jump around rooftops. Yeah. It's just a nice way for them to escape their lives. And uh, it's just some good Frank Miller writing. Uh, she greets me with a blast of wind, her endless angry roar. She hums with power and tickles my legs with a thousand flirting fingers as he runs along a power line. Yeah. Laughs at me, blows a gust of filthy smoke in my face as he goes through a chimney. Tricks me with slippery stone, rattles her windows with delight as I move across her, feeling her warmth. It's actually, I mean, it's dramatic and crazy and pulpy, but like, what a beautiful description of a blind man with hypersenses just <laughs> leaping across the city. Yeah. And also this is like, I, I think where, what we were talking about really stands out. If like Miller had drawn this with Jansen, I think this would be almost like angry and vicious despite these captions. Yeah. It'd be and visceral where because Mazzatelli is doing it, it feels graceful and beautiful and yes. poetic. Yes. I totally agree. Actually, I, here's a weird kind of hot take. I don't think Daredevil is a great character and I don't think he's ever well-defined. Like he's just kind of a generic punch the bad guy, good guy. And, and I, I don't like know what his personality is. I know what Peter Parker's personality is. I know what Bruce Wayne's personality is. I don't know what Matt Murdock. He's just kind of, I mean, that's one reason why I think the TV show was kind of hurt. He's just kind of a stoic, tough guy. It's probably also why a lot of times people steer into the religious aspect of it and the law aspect of it. Cause that's what makes him interesting, right? That he believes in these sort of things yeah, he's a more devout. than other characters, right? Like he has he's, faith in law and faith in God, where Spider-Man just sort of has to believe in himself and what he has been taught. Right. But yeah, like the actual like behavior of Matt Murdock, I don't know what it is. Like, you know, he's kind of, I think he's kind of boring. I think it's just like the world he's in is interesting and the stories that are told with him are good sometimes. I mean, he also has the benefit of not being as popular as Spider-Man, so he's not forced to be globe-trotting around the world and fighting 
bigger than life threats. He can stay in Hell's Kitchen and just stay on street level crime. Yeah. And it never feels, it doesn't feel like a wasted opportunity where with Spider-Man, if that's all he did, you'd miss the others. You kind of want Spider-Man to kind of do everything. Right. Um, Yeah. There's no pressure on Daredevil, but in a weird way, in a weird way, it's kind of nice that he's not Mm -hmm. A-list. Okay. So then we cut to Foggy and Glory and she's really just fallen in love with him and is flirting, but he is still hesitant. It's his partner and best friend's ex-girlfriend. Good for Foggy. Yeah, Foggy is a, I mean, the women are just uh, sex crazed uh, deviants. <laughs> I actually, I think, I think Glory is a good character. Um, I don't have the problems with her that I do with Karen Page. And also she has existed for some time. And I, I, I remember in the previous issues, you hear all about her time in Ireland, yeah. um, dealing with uh, the IRA and like just bad. She, she's a, she's gone, she's got her own story. I mean, if there's an issue with this comic, with the women in this comic, is that all the main characters are men. Yeah, and they, like so and, that so that any female characters end up being love interests often. So yeah, they're just they're just kind of there to be saved. Yeah, they're there because of how it'll affect the men, the male characters more than anything else. Um, we cut back to Daredevil, and he is confronting the cop who has fingered Murdoch. Yeah, he wants he's doing it pretty casually, but he's like, "Why are you doing this? Why now?" Uh, 20 years, Nick, he says, why start lying now? Yeah. And then the, the cop denies it. He breaks a bottle. He threatens Daredevil, get out of my home. They have a little minor scuffle. Daredevil considers beating the crap out of him, but he he's not ready to sink to that level. And he just leaves. And then eavesdrops to see what happens after he leaves. And he hears the cop call somebody in the Kingpin organization yeah. and say, I did what you told me. Um, how about now? How about the money for my kid? And we find out what the, what's going on here is kid has got a heart condition and needs a ton of money for medical treatment, and the kingpin's providing it. Right. There's also this interesting Daredevil showed up just like you. Uh, uh, so what does he say exactly? He says, uh, uh, he showed up. Yeah, Daredevil. I did what you said to. Uh, I don't know if Daredevil heard that part. That's a giveaway that like your identity is in trouble, pal. <laughs> I did this thing to Matt Murdock and Daredevil showed up. Yeah. Um, and so, and we start to see Daredevil get meaner, right? As he's listening, we hear about that his kid is sick and his kid is dying. And Daredevil's reaction is it's hard to stomach the Muzak or Nick's whining. Yeah. The Muzak is on the TV in his apartment. Right. Uh, Daredevil goes home, his power's out. The gas has been cut off. His phone line is dead. And he goes to sleep. <laughs> it's been a real rough day for Daredevil. Yeah, and his head's on the pillow and he goes, it's been a day. And we're reminded that all this has happened in one day. We cut to Foggy's apartment. He's asleep on the couch. Glory's up early cooking him breakfast. They are falling in love. Yeah. And Matt calls and Glory answers. Yeah, that can't be good news for Matt. Uh, so he's confused by that. Later on, he will reel a bit on that. Yeah, and she's kind of like, she's had it with him. You know, she's like, hello, Matt. No, you didn't miss dial. I'll put him on. Um, and she's kind of like, yes, you, you've been, you vanished from my life. You don't, and I, yeah. uh, I agree with her. Yeah. And also it's like, you are friends with foggy. There's nothing wrong with you being at foggy's place. Right. Although seven in the morning, but, um, or first thing in the morning, hey, get up earlier. Will. <laughs> uh, then we cut to the Kingpin's point of view and the Kingpin has spies on Matt Murdoch. And we see mm-hmm. that we see through the Kingpin's lieutenants that Murdoch and Nelson are preparing a defense against the frame, but also that Murdoch is degenerating and becoming crazier and crazier and daredevil's 
attacks on informants at night are getting more and more brutal and the kingpin is happy about this. Yeah, it's just proving they are the same person. Yeah, they're going crazy. We see a evidence here on the um something fourth or fifth to last page of the issue. Daredevil in bright red costume in a green overlay bar just beating the holy crap out of people and screaming Matt Murdock. Who's going to talk about Matt Murdock? Yeah, and the ca- and the caption from Kingpin is he is a lost man thrashing. And the Kingpin is delighted. He's so happy that his plan is working. Um, and then we cut to the trial, which sort of happens a little bit off panel. Yeah. Kingpin sort of narrates what happens in that as well. Uh, that Foggy was such a good lawyer that Matt does not go to jail, but he loses his uh, license to practice law. Uh, yeah. And he's impressed with Foggy. He's like, ah, I might want to hire this guy. He's like really good. Which uh, that'll play in later in the story. And but also interesting, he decides uh, uh, Kingpin is trying to decide how much further to take this, right? Well, yes, he's he's enjoying toying with him so much. Um, and my facious opponent still and he intrigues me. Still, I am not satisfied. I should not tamper with this. I'm well positioned. I should leave him to the misery that awaits him. I must deny. Uh, myself the exquisite pleasure of a killing stroke yeah it's very alluring to us the reader to be like "Ooh, what would that killing stroke be what, yeah. what would kingpin do um foggy and matt are still friends here that will change soon as matt goes crazier but matt thanks foggy for defending him it's kind of the last glimpse we have of matt murdoch the same man yeah we cut to karen page uh heroin addict porn star porn star heroin addict and she discovers that the drug dealer She's gone. She's going to him for more drugs. She's going to offer her body. Um, and she discovers that he, as she opens the door to his place, he's dead. There is somebody over him with a gun who shoots at Karen and she runs away and she decides she starts thinking she's got to, she's got to run to Matt to make this right. Yeah. To save her really. Is to what save her. And uh, we're seeing the kill order that Kingpin talked about in the beginning of the story enacted. Yep. So clearly now that, Kingpin knows for sure this is Matt and Daredevil are the same. He's killing everybody. And Karen gets away. Good for her. That's tough to do when you're a drug star, a, a drug addict, yeah. a heroin addict. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she's run into her man who she betrayed to save her. Yeah. Uh, Matt's walking home and he is spiraling. Yeah. He's getting paranoid. Yeah. Um, he goes, maybe I've been looking at it all wrong, looking for a single enemy to pin it all on. Maybe it's everybody from internal revenue to Con Ed to Ma Bell to Glory. I call Foggy at seven in the morning and Glory answers, Foggy, he's in on it too. And he's starting to go crazy. But then he catches himself a little bit. No, Foggy stood up for me, fought for me. Oh, but that could be part of the plan. What am I thinking? I just need to sleep in my own bed. And then what happens, Kevin? Uh, his building explodes. <laughs> His building blows up right in front of him. We yep. see it in the reflection of his sunglasses. He, of course, can't see it. Um, well, this, don't rub that in. Well, geez. Uh, this is a giveaway to him. I love yeah, this he, last page. He's standing in front of his apartment wreckage. Just the way it's described. I hear a baby crying. No, not a baby. Sirens, fire trucks. And I was like, oh, I guess sirens from a distance could kind of sound like a baby crying. What an interesting observation. Especially if you're exhausted and 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 not thinking clearly. Everything's sort of muddled. Yeah. And in the I guess I've been standing here for a while. Firemen take forever to show up. Traffic gets in their way. Dust. The dust is thick. Could choke on it. There's nothing left. So, you know, so that's why. 
I never would have connected it to you. Nothing about it said gangster until this. It was a nice piece of work, Kingpin. You shouldn't have signed it. Yeah, and while he's thinking that amazing speech, he's walking into the wreckage. He's pulling his Daredevil costume out of the wreckage and holding it to his face, and he's crying. Yeah. And uh, that's the end of the first issue. And we are that's left a powerful. With a, oh, what an ending. What an ending. I, Kevin, I remember reading this issue, getting to that, and being like, I cannot wait for the next chapter in a way that I maybe have never felt since. Like, yeah. I can't, even, even The Dark Knight Returns, even Watchmen, which are more substantial stories and more influential. They didn't have these punches at the end where I was like, I got to see what happens. Yeah. I mean, this is a cliffhanger that doesn't exist at the end of dark Knight returns issue one doesn't exist at the end of the first issue of uh year one. Uh, doesn't really exist in Watchmen. Watchmen's like a mystery, but it's a slow simmering mystery. Yeah. Um, the big punches happen later on and they're just like, Oh, these are just well-told stories. This is a cliffhanger. This is a, Continued next week, same daredevil time. <laughs> so masterfully done. I just remember being so blown away by the writing, by the art. Um, yeah, again, whatever flaws about the story I was blind to, I was thrilled. I just, I mean, I, re I remember when 227 came out, I was there. Like I was like walking over to Outer Limits Comics, walking distance from our house, just running to grab it. And it's even better, Kevin. The next issue is even better. I remember asking if you'd read anything good that week and you said, no, uh, and you said no. And then uh, you ran into your room and you wouldn't tell me anything else. And I, and I wonder what you were hiding from me. I wonder why you wouldn't share that with me, but you didn't. I said, anything good. You didn't read anything good. And you said, no, no good comics this week. I was like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It is a great ending. Uh, especially like this issue sort of like, I mean, I, I don't know as a kid, uh, is there not enough superhero stuff in it? I, I can't say, but reading it now, you definitely read it like the slow boil, the slow simmering thing. But then that ends, you're like, Oh, he knows that's what you want. You love on the hero. It almost feels like he can write the ship next issue. Yeah. He's going to like, this could be a two issue story where he, now he knows he can see everything with clear perspective. He wins next issue. That would be yeah. a pretty plausible yeah. monthly comic arc. That would, that would, you would not be, Oh, that's crazy. But yeah. instead, we got like six more issues, baby. Right. Yeah. It's just it's just starting. Um, man, what a start. I'm so glad we're doing it. Um, and I'm really curious, listeners, if any of you read this, what you think? What did the modern eyes think? Because, you know, I'm very biased. I, I fell in love with this comic as a 16-year-old. Sometimes it's hard to see it with fresh mm -hmm. eyes. Um, if you have so Marvel Unlimited, you can just search Born Again and it should pop right up. Uh, I think it, it might have the preceding uh, issue that Frank Miller just scripted. Um, yeah, Miller Mazzuccelli did the issue before this also, yeah, which is pretty good. Um, but it's it doesn't really have bearing on this, although it, yeah. it lays it lays more of the seeds of glory and foggy falling in love. But um, but if you want to read this and you have Marvel Unlimited, that's the way to do it. Um, there's collections that are probably still in print, and 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 uh, you know, I'm sure it's on Comicsology and all that good stuff too. Yeah. Um. So yeah, if you if you're reading this for the first time or if you read it in the past, we want to know what you think. It's an I think it's a much easier read despite despite the things of, you know, porn movies and heroin and the sort of heightened stakes of stuff. I think it just goes down a lot easier than Dark Knight Returns. It's just it's more this is more like Ed Brubaker's Criminal would be. Yeah. than 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 the weird sci-fi apocalyptic feeling of Dark Knight. 
it's between year one and Dark Knight Returns and its yeah. ambitiousness. So um, definitely if, if you liked year one, but didn't like Dark Knight Returns, this is a, a nice in-betweener to, to check out and see if you like. I bet you'll at least enjoy it. That would be my guess. Um, I mean, I, I think did. they're all great in different ways and you should like them all. You but, should. We're telling but, you. But if you don't, uh, you can be wrong. That's fine. But try this. <laughs> We'd be really interested to hear anybody who's reading this for the first time, what you think of Daredevil's Born Again, or if you're an existing fan of it, what you like about it. We'd love to hear. Break our hearts. Tell us why it's bad if you don't like it, or or make us feel good and tell us why you do. I'd also love to hear more stories from people who, uh, if they've got stories of discovering it, either as an issue or as a collection or whatever, like the first time you read it, if you didn't know, like... Did it meet expectations, surpass them, that sort of thing? I'd be interested to know that. Yeah. What, what's your, what, what, are our, what are our thoughts on this story? I do also in a weird way, despite how much it's been collected and praised, it gets lost in the wake of Dark Knight Returns and Year One and Sin City. I think in a weird way, this is a lesser known Frank Miller thing. And weirdly in the wake of his Electra saga. The initial Daredevil run. Yeah, the, the bull, you think you think Frank Miller Daredevil, I think Electra and Bullseye first. Yeah, understandably. What a what a what a incredibly impactful story. Uh rather than Born Again. And maybe that's just because Born Again at the end of the day at this point is mostly wiped away. Uh where like Electra and Bullseye are still these like long-standing threads that get tugged constantly. Yeah. Um that might not be a fair thing to say either, but uh, we, we like to hear your thoughts on it. But anyone who reads a lot of Daredevil holds up board again is like, this is the best. <laughs> so, um, so it's, it's certainly not forgotten, but um, yeah. yeah what, what do people think about it? I'd love to hear everyone's opinions. Uh, uh, email us at screwitcomics at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at screwitcomics. Um, Kevin does a great job on that Instagram account. Kevin, you got a lot of great Mazzicelli art to screenshot for this one. That's gonna be fun. Yeah, I'll do like one panel. <laughs> I think it deserves more than that. But I only, right see, I only saw one that really stood out to me. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll leave it to your judgment. I think that's incredibly uh, wrong. Uh, but... I think our contest is still running. We're still before March 10th. Yeah, yeah. Um, please sign up for a contest to win a free issue of Dark Knight Returns number one, 2008 edition. This is our, our sponsor, Shortboxed. We would yeah. just really love if people. Sign up for it. It's a free contest. Yeah. You, you don't have. You have to give your email address, and so you'll I'm probably not, get a couple of promotional emails. But hey, you might not, win this really nice comic for free. I'm not a hundred percent sure when we're releasing this episode. I think this will be before the contest ends. It's going to be right near the end anyway. It, it'll be. Yeah, we'll make it in. No way. I think. Uh, yeah, or, yeah, or, or think you so. just missed it. You either have uh, a week to do it or no time at all. I think, well, I think, I think we're catching land. up on email. So we might, we might not do a mutants and mailbag issue every other week. So that, that'll, that'll speed us up. Yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, if the contest is still running and you know, I, I bet you uh, uh, enter anyway. And um, just for fun, <laughs> even if it's over. Let's see. Uh, oh yeah. We maybe if, if we, if we do every other mutants and mailbags, you just missed it. It just ended last week. Well, let's make sure this comes out before. We'll skip so one. We'll skip, we'll skip one mutants in hell bag to get this one in. This is your yeah. last chance, then. This is your last chance. Uh, enter that contest. Um, it's free. It would really help us. And hey, all we're all we're doing is giving you a chance to win a free comic, a really nice one too. Yeah. Uh, all right, uh, Kevin. I'll yes, see well. you uh, next episode. Bye, Will. Bye. Screw it. Screw it. Just about comics. Yeah. 
This is Patrick. And this is Mark, co-host of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we're your home for all things Nintendo. On Tuesday, we're talking about the latest Nintendo news. And on Thursday, we're doing deep dives into specific corners of the Nintendo universe. Ranking the Koopa Kids. Determining who the best Smash Fighter is. That's Nintendo Cartridge Society on Campfire Media or wherever you get your podcasts. Campfire.